morning we are finishing our series on love God, embrace beauty, and live life to the fullest. In the first couple of weeks we looked at the idea of what does it mean to love God and the idea that the first week we went through uh, loving God means struggling with God. We looked at Jacob and what it meant to wrestle with God and how we are called to be a people that, uh, you know, it might not be pretty, but God desires authentic, real, honest, faith in real life. Uh, the wrestling with God is a lifelong journey. And then the second week, we talked about what it looks like to struggle alongside God. And maybe you remember that uh, we looked at the word sa'ak, and the, the fact that sa'ak means cry, that God hears the cry of the oppressed. And what it means to, to struggle alongside God is uh, that we are working towards liberation, and that is our trajectory as uh, people of faith. And then two weeks ago, uh, we looked at embrace beauty. And what is it, what are the moments where we have felt most alive? What did it look like? What did it taste like? What did it smell like? That this life that we have been given uh, is connected with memories, and God wants us to embrace every aspect of that good life. And we are wrapping up this week with live life to the fullest. And what does that mean? Because all of these are, are very interrelated. Uh, and today we're going to look at an aspect uh, that may be sometimes uh, forgotten or overlooked when uh, we think about what does it mean to be people of faith. So uh, before we get going, let's pray. Lord, uh, Yahweh, we, we take a moment to, to pause, to, to breathe, uh, to slow down. Uh, from our busy weeks, uh, things that have just seemed to kind of drag on, and we're grateful that we have a place that we can come, uh, connect with you, connect with our community, uh, and know that we are loved and cared for, and that you are present in our lives, that you are here among us today, that your word would be true in our hearts and in our lives. We're incredibly grateful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, before we get going, uh, we like to, to sometimes uh, have a little uh, conversation. Uh, just like the prayer time, uh, we like to talk things out uh, when it comes to the sermon. And so I want you to, to turn to a neighbor, two or three, and talk about uh, what do you think of when you hear the phrase eternal life? All right, what do you think of when you hear the phrase eternal life? All right, take a couple of minutes, and then we'll, we'll come back. No, she could say it better than I. All right. What do you have for me? You might want to kick us off. All right, Rose. Yeah, yeah. What? Give, give us the Cliff Notes version. 
okay, so, so yeah, yeah. So your eternal life, you you think of, of Jupiter. All right, what else? Yeah. Right. It's good to know. All right. Mm. I like that. Yeah, that's a good thought. Did everybody hear that? He said it's uh, our, our footprint that we leave behind and, and what we've passed down uh, to the generation below us. That's good. One more. Does anybody else want to? Jenny? over this idea that uh, there is this sort of freedom. I want to read uh, the part of the song that we, we heard right at the beginning from Elvis. Uh, <laughs> says, uh, in part, I'm satisfied with just a cottage below, a little silver and a little gold. But in that city where the ransom will shine, I want a gold one that's silver lined. I've got a mansion just over the hilltop in a bright land where we'll never grow old, and someday yonder we'll never more wander, but walk on streets that are purest gold. All right, so um, I forget, Donna, who sang that? Who wrote that song? Do you remember? I forget who. Donna, Donna and I were talking about that song earlier because she was uh, asking for it, but uh, was not, not written by the king, but, uh, but it really harkens to this idea that uh, eternal life at least in, in my growing up of uh, church consciousness, is this idea of the same imagery, streets of gold, you know, people in robes, like playing harps and all that stuff. Uh, and we were simply to get through this life in order to get to something better, that this life was just uh, something to sort of be like managed and put up with, uh, because the real prize, if you said the magic words, was gonna be in some other era, on elsewhere beyond and I think uh, our message today and the message of the Gospels uh, is one that invites us to live life to the fullest uh, today and so we are going to look uh, at this idea of eternal life uh, first in the book of John and then how it's used in the other Gospels because uh, as we know we the Gospels were written by uh, real people with uh, real messages. And so whenever John, for instance, writes eternal life, he means a particular thing that is very different than what Elvis is singing about streaks of gold and etc. Uh, so let's turn uh, first to John 3.16. Maybe you've heard of it. And I'm going to read uh, first out of the message translation. And so when we think about living life to the fullest or eternal life uh, we're trying to to really hammer at okay what is Jesus's primary message like Jesus said a lot of things he had a lot of weird parables that we don't understand and uh, we want to really get at what is Jesus's primary message and I'm going to argue today that it's rooted in this phrase eternal life that we'll we'll kind of dig into John 3.16, I'm going to read from the message today. This is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son, and this is why, so that no one need be destroyed 
but by believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. Your Bible may say uh, everlasting life or eternal life. I think the NIV says eternal life, right? Does anybody have the NIV? I think the NIV says eternal life. So what is John trying to get at here? The author of John, when he says eternal life, uh, Eugene Peterson says a whole and lasting life. Uh, This uh, was translated by uh, N.T. Wright in a different way. This, you see, is how much God loved the world. He he loved his world enough to give his one and only special son so that everyone who believes in him should not be lost, but should share in the life of God's new age. And this word, eternal life, is actually uh, better translated uh, in a new age, a new era, a new period of time. And it's really a tricky phrase to translate in English. And so a lot of times our English translations fail us because... Uh, whenever we uh, translate something eternal life, we have all these other associations and pictures that go along with eternal life that the original translator wouldn't have assumed culture would have been tacked on to that phrase. And so whenever we read the scripture, we, I think it helps to, to read different translations and things like that because sometimes we can really chip away at, okay, even sometimes the English fails us. And so this phrase, eternal life, I think is better translated uh, God's new age or new era. So essentially Jesus is saying uh, for this time period now the kingdom of God is going to be something different. And one thing you'll notice if you read the Gospel of John is that the Gospel of John uh, never really mentions the kingdom of God. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, Synoptic Gospels, they all share a lot of the similar stories, uh, similar teachings of Jesus, uh, and they always use the phrase what? kingdom of God. Or Matthew uses kingdom of heaven. And so this phrase right here, you can almost, every time you read eternal life, you could almost substitute kingdom of God for, because they're, they're hammering at the same idea. We live currently under Roman oppression, but the, when the kingdom of God comes, the kingdom of God is here today. This is what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is inaugurating a new age, a new realm where God's will, God's kingdom has come, and that changes everything. So when we look at something like John 10.10, and Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full, same idea, eternal life, that they would have life to the full or life to the fullest. So this morning when we wrap up our series, I want us to look at just one aspect of the kingdom of God. Uh, the kingdom of God is arguably Jesus' uh, primary message. It's sort of shrouded in mystery. It has all of these uh, social, economic, and political elements. Uh, but this morning, I want to get at the personal aspect of what the kingdom of God means for us, for each one of us personally, how it changes the way we understand ourselves. Uh, the word kingdom or kingdom of God is used 155 times in the New Testament. So it is a dominant thread. We've already talked about how uh, the word Christ is really, it's not Jesus' last name, right? Uh, that it, it means liberating king. It's a, it's a political statement that says the same thing. Jesus is a liberating king, a different type of king than the one that uh, Rome is used to, than the ones that people are living under occupation it's different. It's signaling something new. So this movement, this kingdom movement, we have talked about, like in Luke 4 a couple of weeks ago, 
it starts with what? When Jesus inaugurates his ministry, he says, Today I have come, he reads it from the scroll of Isaiah and says, I have come for the poor, the oppressed, the person that is in prison. It is a kingdom from below. So I want us to look at this idea in, in Luke. So if you have your Bible, flip open to Luke uh, chapter 17. And let's, uh, let's see what the Pharisees, because the Pharisees, like when Jesus is out there teaching, the religious leaders of Jesus' time are really curious about this message that Jesus is going around and saying. And so Luke 17, starting in, in verse 20. One day the Pharisees came and they asked Jesus, when will this kingdom of God come? And Jesus replied, the kingdom of God cannot be detected by visible signs. You won't, able, you won't be able to say, here it is, or it's over there, for the kingdom of God is within you, for the kingdom of God is among you. So it's, it's funny, because you know, if, if you're familiar with the Gospels, the Pharisees always try to trap Jesus, right? They try to get him in these uh, little technicalities of morality or what uh, Jesus' disciples are doing wrong that don't really fit with Jewish custom. And so here, they're trying to poke holes in Jesus' primary message of what he said he's come to do. And he says, oh yeah, well when will this, when will this so-called kingdom, you say, come? Uh, and Jesus always, with a little snarky, underhanded remark, uh, says, oh, you won't be able to detect it. It's actually within each one of us. So let's, let's talk about what this might mean for us today. Uh, we've talked at length about Roman oppression and domination structures that existed at the time of Jesus. And here the Pharisees, who are a part of the, an, another domination structure, like we've talked about with the uh, widow a couple of weeks ago, where the widow comes and she gives all that she has, and Jesus says, uh, you're taking advantage of this poor old widow. It's a domination structure that religious life has been used to oppress even the most vulnerable in society. And so, uh, you know, we don't have to live under uh, Roman oppression or a kingdom to realize that we have domination structures uh, in our society today. Uh, religious life uses domination structures, business life, political life, social life, consumer life, education. Um, we live in a particular domination structure that has ingrained certain messages from us since we were born. Some messages that uh, we may not have even have noticed. Uh, if you were white, you were given one message. If you were black, another. Latino, another. Asian American, another. LGBT, another. If you were short, too tall. Uh, we've been ingrained by domination structures uh, in many different ways, and they all go to the same thing. You're lacking in X area. So you're not good enough, you're not rich enough, you're not skinny enough, your skin isn't smooth enough, you're not fast enough, you're not strong enough, you're not funny enough, you're not secure enough, you're not smart enough, you're not well-traveled enough, you're not accomplished enough. Buy this, read that, take this, complete that, give this. One of our domination structures, of our domination structures, is trickle-down self-worth. The message is that if you participate in the system more, you will eventually reap the benefits. You will eventually be enough. Uh, but this is not the message of the kingdom of God. Jesus, the liberating king, 
is the one that comes on behalf of the poor, the oppressed, the last. It's a very different structure. It's not trickle-down self-worth. Jesus' love, God's abundance, begins from the bottom. It blooms from within. The kingdom of God is within. The first word God speaks on you is love. Jesus' first original word in the Gospel of Luke is today. The kingdom of God is here today. The kingdom is here, right now, present, within. Because today, you are enough. We are all enough, just the way you are. You see how, uh, when we read the message of Jesus as liberating king, our worlds have to be changed because we don't see ourselves any longer participants in domination structures. We operate within a different system. And this is why, for the early Christians, it was so profound to have a message that said, no, you, you don't have to be participants in this domination structure of Roman occupation or Jewish religious life. The kingdom of God is within. It's wild. It's untamed. It, you know, like we say in Acts, uh, the wind blows where it wants. The kingdom of God cannot be pinned down. Jesus starts the Beatitudes with, Blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom. First Beatitude. Blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom. The kingdom of God is like a treasure hidden in a field where someone found and hid, and then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. It's not a domination structure. The kingdom of God is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, and on finding one of the pearls of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. The kingdom of God is like a net that was thrown into the sea and caught fish of every kind, and when it was full, they drew it ashore, sat down, and put the, ba- the good into baskets and threw out the bad. We cannot live life to the fullest until we first understand that God's message for you and for us is that you are enough, that you are loved today, here, not in three years with a degree, not you in a few months with some more cash, not you with some more security or a better retirement plan, you here today, now. Anybody uh, ever watch Mr. Rogers? Yeah? Mr. Rogers? Uh, I want to close the day with uh, a clip uh, from Mr. Rogers that I think captures the heart of this message really, really well. Um, Let's watch. Anyway, I had surgery earlier this summer because I have pain in my stomach called autonomic dysreflexia and I just what was that autonomic dysreflexia I'm not exactly sure what it means but you sure can say it yeah anyway so I had surgery done just recently Mm -hmm. to try and cut this sphincter because I'm holding my urine in (laughs) so well you have a lot of things going on when you're this just shows you have a lot of things happening to you when you're handicapped most of the time. But and uh, sometimes it happens when you're not handicapped. Of course. But you're able to talk about those things. Yeah. So well and help other people mm-hmm. who might have the same kinds of things. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, do you know that song that I sometimes sing called It's You I Like? Uh-huh. I'd like to sing that to you and with you. Okay, okay? sure. It's you I like. It's not the things you wear. It's not the way you do your hair. But it's you I like. The way you are right now. The way down deep inside you, not the things that hide you, not your fancy chair, that's just beside you, but it's you, I like every part of you, your skin, your eyes, your feelings, whether old about living life to the fullest, embracing beauty, loving God, all three things that are interrelated, um, it comes from a place like that, right? It comes from a selfless love that speaks, you are loved, just the way you are now, and that's how we go out into the world in love. Even when our work is stressful or we have all this stuff that we need to do and we have all this stuff that society says we need to, to buy or to complete, that this is our foundation. This is where our lives are rooted in. Pure love. That this is the word that God speaks unto us and then that love is then comes forth from us. Um, and it's sometimes just as simple as that. Um, let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you that your eternal life and kingdom start today. That it's not something that we have to wait on, but that we get to experience today. That you invite us to love our neighbor, to embrace beauty to savor good food, good friends, the simplistic things in life that a lot of times we tend to forget about, that we take for granted, that you invite us to experience fullness of life. You said you've come so that we might have life, that we might experience life and experience it to the fullest. We know that begins with the word that you speak on to us today, that we are your beloved, that it's you I like. Your 
kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name.